0: Part two, Red Royal. Chapter one. Sonked, announced Jen, throwing a card down onto the pile face up. On its front, a hooded figure with a bowed head held up a rune like a chalice. And in his chair, Jen grinned triumphantly. Parrish grimaced and threw his remaining cards face down on the table. He could accuse Jen of cheating, but there was no point. Parrish himself had been cheating for the better part of an hour and still hadn't won a single hand. He grumbled as he shoved the coins across the narrow table to the other guard's towering pile. Jen gathered up the winnings and began to shuffle the deck. "'Shall we go again?' he asked. "'I'll pass,' answered Parrish, shoving to his feet. A cloak, heavy panels of red and gold fanning like rays of the sun, spilled over his armored shoulders as he stood. The layered metal plates of his chest and leg guards clinking as they slid into place. comes <laughs> era!' "'said Jen, sliding from royal to Arsinian, the common tongue. "'I'm not bitter,' grumbled Parrish back. "'I'm broke.' "'Come on, go to Jen. Third time's the charm.' "'I have to piss,' said Parrish, readjusting his short sword. "'Then go piss!' Parrish hesitated, surveying the hall for signs of trouble. The hall was devoid of trouble or any other forms of activity, but full of pretty things, royal portraits, trophies, tables, like the one they've been playing on, and at the hall's end, a pair of ornate doors made of cherry wood. The doors were carved with the royal emblem of Arns, the chalice and the rising sun. The grooves were filled with melted gold, and above the emblem, the threads of metallic light r- traced an R across the polished wood. The doors led to Prince Rye's private chambers, and Jen and Parrish, as part of Prince Rye's private guard. Had been stationed outside of them. Parrish was fond of the prince. He was spoiled, of course, but so was every royal, or so Parrish assumed, having served only the one, but he was also good-natured and exceedingly lenient when it came to his guard. Hell, he'd given Parrish the deck of cards himself, beautiful gilded-edged things, and sometimes, after a night of drinking, would shed his royal and its pretensions and converse with them in the common tongue, his Arsenian was flawless. If anything, Rye seemed to feel guilty for the persistent presence of the guards, as if surely they had something better to do with their time than stand outside his door and be vigilant. And in truth, most nights it was more a matter of discretion than vigilance. The best nights were the ones where Prince Rye and Master Kell set out into the city, and he and Jen were allowed to follow at a distance or relieved of their duties entirely and allowed to stay for company rather than protection. Everyone knew that Kell could keep the prince safer than any of his guard, but Kel was still away and a fact that put the ever-restless Rye in a mood, and so the prince had withdrawn early to his chambers, and Parrish and Jen had taken up their watch, and Jen had robbed Parrish of most of his pocket money. Parrish scooped up his helmet from the table and went to relieve himself. The sound of Jen counting his coins followed him. Parrish took his time, feeling he was owed as much after losing so many lynn, and when he finally ambled back to the prince's hall, he was distressed to find it empty. Jen was nowhere to be seen. Parrish frowned. Leniency went only so far. Gambling was one thing, but if the prince's chambers were caught unguarded, their captain would be furious. The cards were still on the table and Parrish began to clean them up when he heard a male voice in the prince's chamber and stopped. It was not a strange thing to hear in and of itself. Rye was prone to entertaining and made little secret of his varied taste, and it was hardly Parrish's place to question his proclivities. <coughs> it's gay. It's really gay. Just so you know. Okay, sorry. Continue. But Parrish recognized that voice at once. It did not belong to one of Rye's pursuits. The words were English, but accented, and the edges rougher than Arsenian tongue. It was a voice like a shadow in the night of the woods. Quiet and dark and cold. It belonged to Holland, the Antari from afar. Parrish paled a little. He worshipped Master Kell, a fact that Jen gave him grief for daily. But Holland terrified him. He didn't know if it was the evenness in the man's tone or the strange faded appearance or his haunted eyes, one black, of course, and the other milky green. Or perhaps it was the way he seemed to be made more of water and stone than flesh and blood and soul. Whatever it was, the foreign Antaria had always given Parrish the shivers. Some of the guards called him hollow behind his back, but Parrish never dared. What, Jen would tease. Not like he can hear you through the wall between worlds. You don't know, Parrish would whisper back. Maybe he can. And now Holland was in Rye's room. What was, was he supposed to be there? Who had let him in? Where is Jen, wandered Parrish as he took up his spot in front of the door didn't mean to eavesdrop, but there was a narrow gap between the left side of the door and the right, and he turned his head slightly. The conversation reached him through the crack. "'Pardon my intrusion,' came Holland's, Holland's voice, steady and low. "'None at all,' answered Rye casually. "'But what business brings you here instead to my father?' "'What business brings you here instead of to my father?' "'I have been to your father for business already.' said Holland. I've come to you for something else. Parrish's cheeks reddened at the seductiveness of Holland's tone. Perhaps it would be better to abandon his post than listen, but he held his ground, and Rye slumped back into the cushioned seat. And what's that? asked the prince, mirroring the flirtation. It is nearly your birthday, is it not? It is nearly, answered Rye, You should attend the celebrations, if your king and queen will spare you. They will not, I fear, replied Holland. But my king and queen are the reason I've come. They've bid me deliver a gift. Parrish could hear Rye hesitate. Holland, he said, the sound of cushions shifting as he sat forward. You know the laws. I cannot take... I know the laws, young prince, soothed Holland. As the gift that I picked, as to the gift I picked it out here in your own city on my master's behalf. There was a long pause, followed by the sound of Rye standing. Very well," he said. Parrish heard the shuffle of a parcel being passed and opened. "What is it for?" asked the prince after another stretch of quiet. Holland made a sound, something between a smile and a laugh, neither of which Parrish was born to witness before. "'For strength,' he said. "'Ryde began to say something else, but at the same instant, "'a set of clocks went off in the palace, "'marking the hour and masking whatever else was said "'between the Antari and the prince. "'The bells were still echoing through the hall "'when the door opened and Holland stepped out, "'his two-toned eyes landing instantly on Parrish. "'Holland guided the door shut "'and considered the royal guard with a resigned sigh. "'He ran a hand through his charcoal hair.' "'Send away one guard,' he said half to himself, "'and another takes his place.' Before Parrish could think of a response, the Antari dug a coin from his pocket and flicked it in the air toward him. "'I wasn't here,' said Holland as the coin rose and fell, and by the time it hit Parrish's palm, he was alone in the hall, staring down at the desk, wondering how it got there, and certain he was forgetting something.' He clutched the coin as if he could catch the slipping memory and hold on, but it was already gone.